Welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt, and I can't thank you enough for uh, coming on to the podcast and uh, listening. This has been awesome. Uh, we're trying to do episodes releasing on Tuesdays and Thursdays as diligently as we can right now. Of course, I'm still full-time at school, but uh, we're trying to keep to that schedule, and we've got some really cool stuff scheduled coming down the pipe. If you enjoy this podcast, I hope that you share it with a like-minded friend. That's the one little fee that we have with the podcast. Uh, if you want to do that, that would be fantastic. If you don't, that's cool too. Um, but I, I really encourage you guys to do so because that would really make a big difference in uh, how, how, how far this podcast can really make it. If you want to share this on your uh, story, if you're listening to this, that'd be fantastic as well. I'll share it on mine and, uh, if you do so. And any feedback at all would be fantastic. Even if it's negative, you say you don't like these podcasts, uh, it would hurt my feelings, but I'd still love to know about it. Uh, so enjoy this podcast with JT Fox. And as always, thanks for listening. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars, Alpine Star MX, and Fox Racing. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got the big boss with the hot sauce over at the media side of things with Alpine Star MX. He's a return member on the podcast. Uh, he's got many people requesting him to come back on and give us the full rundown on a lot of the featured products over at alpinestars.com. JT Fox, JT, how's it going? Yeah, going good, man. Thanks again for having me back. And uh, yeah, stoked to be back on the show. Hey, stoked to have you on, man. I, I, I get so many emails from people being like, hey, I had no idea that much detail goes into an SM10 and some of the different features of some of the helmets you guys have been coming out with. Uh, it's always encouraging when I get some really cool feedback from people who do listen to the podcast. Uh, guys like Garrett Rockley and my buddy Jonesy down in Australia who are, are learning about uh, some stuff from Alpine Stars on top of uh, getting to know yourself as uh, sort of uh, the media liaison. Uh, as we'd say up in Canada, uh, to sort of guide these uh, the, uh, us media jerkies uh, and, and educate a little bit about uh, the offerings from Alpine Star. Yeah, I mean that's awesome. I'm I'm stoked to hear that people are finding some value in uh, the stuff I'm rambling on about, and uh, hopefully they're you know learning a little bit about the product and feeling safer if they already got a couple. So that's awesome. Great to hear. Definitely. Knowledge is power. And when it comes to like knowing a little bit more about some of these protective uh, items, which is what we're going to be talking about today, uh, I think that it's uh, you can just enjoy your ride that much more with the kind of the peace of mind that knowing that uh, you've got that suit of armor uh, needed to uh, come off the bike at a high rate of pace, which actually reminds me of what happened just two days ago. Uh, we need to kind of talk about it a little bit here on the podcast because you, you're the you're the first one uh, that I'm having on since uh, my little get off here. Uh, dislocated shoulder, gnarled up arm. Uh, what were your What were your thoughts when you saw the picture of my uh, uh, of the road rash from my first ride in six months? Dude, it looked like that was a pretty good one for sure. I know uh, you probably regretted not having a big, uh, nice jacket on to uh, avoid all the scratches on your back. But um, yeah, it's always those weird ones. I'm assuming that it was a weird wipeout, and that's how kind of you got all those weird, crazy scratches on your back. Yeah, well, it, it's uh, a, a jump that I should have just been jumping. To be completely honest, it was a tabletop. Couldn't have been more than maybe. 45 feet roughly to the, the sweet spot of the landing. It was just kind of an awkward out of the corner takeoff and came up short, 
bounced, kind of bike whiskey throttle out from underneath me. And uh, for whatever reason, I decided to track the bike down and, and try and arm wrestle with the rear wheel, um, of which case I lost. I, I'll admit to that. I had no chance in that fight. I lost it miserably. And, and now uh, my, my elbow, as well as uh, um, some, some scratches along my, my, my ribs got the worst of it, actually. I, I got uh, like those, my Pirelli's hooked up big time. And, uh, and left me with some what was most likely going to be some permanent scarring. Uh, and then a dislocated shoulder. Like, I don't know. You said you had a dislocated elbow. Like, you could probably cop to this. Weirdest sensation, kind of like the, the pain associated with a dislocated appendage is uh, is like no other. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the worst. It, for me, it felt like I, I did it when I was on 85, so I was, I was a little younger, but um, it felt like I was like holding a 45 pound dump, like dumbbell, like doing an art, like a bicep curl, but I just like, couldn't let go of it and just had to hold it for like an hour straight. It was like the, the most bizarre, weird feeling. Um, but it's funny you talk about your Pirelli's actually, when I, I got, how I got hurt, I got ran over by someone and popped it out. And after it started healing, I could see the treads on my arm and it, they were clearly like MX 32s at the time. They were definitely some dumb laps. So it was pretty <laughs> funny. As you, there you go, leaving the mark. My uh, my Pirelli Scorpions uh, were were digging in big time on my rib cage, um, but but that aside, yeah, I think I, I the first time we chatted, actually, I think I sent you one of the pictures from uh, the the Dakar rally. I needed that like um, that flak jacket that you guys have that like kind of that, that with the airbag that puffs up. Like I think that would have like if I was able to deploy something like that maybe this all could have been avoided totally yeah i mean that's something that we're working towards for sure that new off-road tech air technology that uh has been really proven and trusted in a lot of the street like moto gp racing right now and starting to bring to some of our dakar guys um i think we talked about on that first show but um yeah hopefully that'll be a production thing here soon and um get the algorithms just right so that you know just your average rider going out you know, case in the tabletop can get a little uh, back deployment and you'd be all good. You'd be back riding again this weekend already. No kidding. Well, if, if someone needs to be a guinea pig to try that out or because uh, I, I certainly do come up short on a lot of tabletops. So if you're looking for that specific type of um, durability testing, um, you, you know who, who to call. Right. I'll keep you I'll keep you on the radar for sure. We need we need good crash test dummies around here for sure. I'll be on a short list for that. Um, but uh, aside from, from that uh, item that I believe uh, we'll probably see on the shelves in the coming uh, coming years, uh, once you guys work out the bugs, um, one of the things that I've always said, and this is something that it's kind of kept under wraps, is that the Alpine Star chest protectors, dating all the way back to, I believe, the last year that I raced uh, full, full-time in 2010, going to all the races, was uh, the first Alpine Star chest protector that went for under the jersey, and it was a it was a softer uh, chest protector. Uh, had some some plastic panels in it as well, but it allowed for a lot of movement, but also a ton of protection. And it's not only something that I saw a lot of guys wearing who wore Alpine Star gear, um, but you even start to see it in in guys who don't wear Alpine Star, and like especially with some of those mesh vented jerseys in the Nationals, you start to see a guy uh, maybe with a different uh, branded logo on the jersey, but underneath you can tell it's an Alpine Star chest protector. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a lot of guys trust our under protection, both for the knee guards and also for the chest protector, and um, 
Yeah, they're just because they're really they're great chest protectors. Um, built really great. Um, it doesn't feel like it's hindering your movements while you're moving around. Um, and we have a lot of different levels of protection as well. So um, obviously, with a lighter weight protector, um, you sacrifice a little bit of that durability. Um, but we have so many different models that either have more shoulder coverage, more or less back coverage, uh, more or less ventilation, depending on you know what kind of riding you're doing. Um, and then all the way up to full-on jackets that are, you know, you got elbow guards and uh, kidney belts and everything else attached. So um, Alpine Stars does a really good job of kind of having something for everyone, um, whatever riding discipline you're doing. And also a lot of different price points, too, depending on uh, what your budget looks like to, to get up here on the track. So with that, I ask you, how does someone decide uh, whether they're going to they're going to be looking into sort of like an entry level product uh, of the line when they look like the bionic action, or if there happen to be somebody who needs to go into the the bionic tech uh, V, which is basically a full blown jacket with uh, with, with a with a back piece as well. Like, how, how does someone really decide uh, not only budget wise, but what protection is right for them? Totally. That's, that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to uh, personal kind of preference of fit and, you know, what you're, what you're valuing most. Um, I know growing up, I wore the jackets like religiously, um, like my mom and dad would not let me ride without having a full on protective jacket. So I had the full zip up kidney belt. I mean, I could pretty much just bail off my dirt bike at any moment and I'd probably be fine. Um, was just fully ready to go. Um, but I feel like as you get a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, you're kind of starting to look for a little bit more ventilation, maybe a little bit more lightweight. You don't necessarily want to sacrifice safety, but you definitely want something that's a little bit on the lighter side. Um, and so I think that's when people start looking towards more of the chest protectors, um, looking at a couple options that have maybe some smaller shoulder straps. So um, maybe your chest protector, your, uh, your neck brace rather isn't getting in the way if you do wear one of those. Um, and just overall a little bit more flexibility on the bike. So for you, are you a chest protector under the jersey guy or are you chest protector over the jersey guy? Because that's a, a dividing line in a lot of individuals. You and I probably growing up uh, with uh, a lot like like looking up to guys that wore uh, something similar to sort of the uh, the well some at the, at the very beginning you had James Stewart with that that fox um, the I don't know what was the the roost. The roost too. Yeah, like a roost, roost deflector or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that big one with the with the chrome shoulders, and then eventually oh, yeah. uh, the pro circuit guys with that Thor Sentinel that was basically that, that was like a, a gold standard in chest protectors for the longest time. What's your uh, yep. your preference now that uh, your your parents are no longer making the decision on how? Uh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I've I've kind of gone through all the phases of moto chest guard fashion, I guess. But I, I did the full under like under jacket, then I switched and I had a over the jersey chest protector with my like name and number from Decal Works on the back, you know, like full pro setup. Oh yeah. Um, and that was sick. And then uh, <laughs> after that, I moved to the under under uh, jersey chest guard basically, and so that's when I uh, started getting my numbers on my jerseys all made and all that good stuff, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I go under the jersey now, but um, I like can't ride without it. I feel very weird without riding. I know some some pros uh, prefer to actually wear even lighter than a chest guard, or you know, just a little bit of padding. But um, I definitely feel like it helps me mentally to feel a little bit more protected, and um, just feels like it's it's time to ride when I put that thing on. And so fair enough. You know what? I, I, I've 
for the longest time, the, the first time I didn't ride with a chest protector is, of course, when we when we, we pack our bags and stuff like that. What do you forget? We find out when we get there. Totally forgot the chest protector. But I was like, well, I, I drove all this way. It's an hour and a half. Like, I'm riding. And honestly, right. like, I, I still do wear a chest protector quite often. Um, but I also have gotten used to not wearing it sometimes. And of course, wasn't uh, this, uh, this past Saturday when, uh, when I went out over tea kettle. Um, but I- I'm a under the Jersey guy and I'm also a bigger guy. Like I'm about 200 pounds. Uh, look like I should probably be playing middle linebacker. Uh, so the chest protector for me kind of like, it's a, a self-conscious thing that makes me look a little bit bigger than I probably should. I like, right. uh, should they be out there playing hockey or something like that? Uh, but, um, yeah, like I, I like something a little bit like lower profile, but, but still protective because, uh, racing, uh, at the pace that I do, I think there's a lot of guys who end up in ahead of me for some reason, and they like to throw dirt at me with their rear wheel. And, and that, uh, is usually an uncomfortable scenario for, for all involved myself, especially. Yeah, absolutely. I, there, some tracks are, you know, more than others you can get away with, you know, having a little less, a little bit more, but. Um, I know I've ridden a couple of tracks like Washougal before where I can't even imagine riding that track without a chest protector because the roots just hurt so bad, you know, um, similar to, you know, a couple other tracks around here, a legendary tracks like that. But, um, yeah, it, it's all personal preference. I, I swear by them. I think that it's good to always have them just in case. Um, and, uh, like, like, you know, now you just, you never know, uh, when you're going to hit the dirt and it's good to have a little extra something there. So. Totally agree, and I think your girlfriend, uh, or my girlfriend, agrees with me as well, or you as well. Uh, so I think uh, I don't think he's gonna let me out on the bike again without a chest protector. Uh, but right, uh, right. yeah, hopefully she didn't hear that. She's in the other room. Um, but uh, what? Which one's your specific? Uh, per, like, which one do you prefer? Are, are you a bionic guy? Do you like the A one, the A four? Um, there's tons to choose from. Which one do you put underneath your jersey? when you've got those uh, fancy printed numbers on your jerseys as well. Yeah. So I, I really like the a one plus. Um, that's kind of the one that I've been wearing a lot. Um, reason being, it's just very light, uh, great for just roofs to your chest, things like that. Um, and shoulder straps are pretty minimal. I, I feel like I don't even really notice it while I'm riding. Um, that's going to be our like preferred setup for a lot of our pros as well. Uh, Chase Sexton wears that. Eli Tomac. Um, you know, all of our big guys really prefer that one. So that's definitely my go-to. Um, but then, yeah, as far as like any other levels, obviously that's like a little bit more expensive. We also have like the bionic is also a great option as well. Um, just a little bit less, um, flexibility and just bigger, like plastic panels, you know, but still a lot of protection and, uh, breathability packed into both of those things. Absolutely. And what I noticed about the, the bionic is that the, the, the protection on the back piece, it's, it's pretty low profile as far as it's not really like all the way across your back, but it does have that nice plastic piece so that if you do happen to go down, maybe you uh, tag the bike uh, near the uh, foot pegs or something like that, you've got some protection there. And, uh, and, and it's like, it's kind of almost looks um, form fitting uh, so that it like kind of low profile, it's not going to be like sticking out like crazy uh, on the back of your Jersey. Totally. Yeah. It, that one's a really cool and it's got what we call our cell technology. So basically allows a little bit of movement to kind of contour to your body, but in the event of like a big impact crash, then it's going to really hold its, uh, hold its shape and be a, uh, you know, good for 
high intact like that. Um, also really great for just overall roost and keeping any big, you know, chunks of rocks and things like that from uh, getting to your skin, breaking through. So uh, bionics, are, it's a really great option. And like you said, the back panel is really nice in swimming. So you really don't feel much on the bike and just, uh, it's just good to have it. I, you know, as far as back protection goes, it's just good to have a little extra something if you do end up ejecting from the bike and um, just, uh, you know, peace of mind as well. We definitely need that. Um, and of course, your job over at, at Alpine Star is to be, uh, to take care of us media guys. And we're, we're needy. We're like, we talked about off air with, uh, with our good friend, Chris Keeper, who, uh, is just an absolute, uh, gear nerd. He loves, he loves every piece regardless of colorway fabric. He wants to touch them. He wants to wear them. He wants to show them off. Um, who out of the guys that you take care of on a regular basis, um, is it like a chess pro guy, a guy who needs a lot of uh, protective equipment? Because from what I can tell, and maybe I could be completely wrong, I, I think a guy like Kiefer actually uh, uh, probably goes no chest protector at all or something that's pretty minimalist. Yeah, you know, a lot of those guys, like Kiefer's level, a lot of those guys go very minimal. Um, he's like an A1 chest protector guy for sure. Um, and he's definitely down to, you know, I think the, the best part about Kiefer is he's constantly giving us, you know, feedback and, um, helping us out with, you know, testing new things and just developing our products. So, um, especially when it comes to hard goods, protection, boots, things like that, um, he, he's always kind of offering up his, uh, his feedback for us, which is super helpful. Um, and I think all of our media guys, to a certain extent, you know, they, they in influence how we're making products. And uh, we're always listening to what they're saying, what they're hearing from consumers and trying to develop our products to be better and better. I mean, that's what you see with the uh, the A1, now being the A1 Plus, and um, just constantly evolving the product. You can never make a product too good and um, trying to make this thing better and better every year. Absolutely. And on top of that, you guys don't just have the chest protectors. You guys also have protection for the knees. And this is something that uh, has uh, been a hot-button issue for a lot of uh, people, especially lately with some of the discussion online with uh, some guys wearing yep. like, knee cups only, some guys wear knee braces, uh, some guys go to the full-blown CCI 2s, which are like uh, actually tough to come by up here in Canada because you basically need a, a doctor's note to, to, or you have to be prescribed them. To, to get one. You can't just sort of buy them off the shelf or whatever and contact your local uh, CTI guy. Um, and then so you, you've had other brands in the past, um, but this is something that has kind of come across in maybe the last four or five years with Alpine Star of you guys having uh, basically a, a ton of different options as far as knee protection. You've got like your, your baseline just like, I wouldn't say run of the mill because I'm sure there's still some, some uh, like development goes into it. But uh, the bionic mm -hmm. action uh, with uh, the like just a, a knee protector, something you and I probably saw tons of growing up. Uh, a couple of velcro straps in the back keep it in place. That way, uh, if something hits the knee, it's not uh, you're not going to be too worse for wear. Uh, but you guys also produce like a full blown knee brace. Um, how does someone go about selecting that as far as their preference, as far as what they're what they need for protection, and like what's your sort of feedback on? Um, like for me, I like my knee braces because it gives me a point of leverage to be able to squeeze the bike harder in that spot. Uh, whereas other people, like a guy like Cooper Webb, doesn't wear uh, knee braces at all. He's a knee cup guy. Same thing with a guy like uh, Kevin Windham growing up. Uh, him never wore knee braces. What's your take? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, and it, it's kind of, you're right, it is like kind of a hot topic similar to how I think uh, neck braces were a couple years ago where people were trying to True. figure out if they were the, the way to go or not. I mean, I, I've been deep down the, the rhino rabbit hole of Instagram comments reading about <laughs> you know, everyone's uh, opinions on it. So I, I definitely, I think I'm like somewhere in the middle. Um, for me personally, I've always worn knee protectors, um, more just from a, a cost perspective than anything, um, just having had like, the ability to purchase knee braces and and i was always growing so fast when i was little that it didn't really make sense to buy one until i was kind of done growing yeah um but that being said now being at, at alpine stars i've been able to try out the like the actual braces and i think they're great um luckily I haven't had any like big falls where i've you know tweaked my leg or had you know even close to a call where i would have to compare that to my old braces or to my uh, protectors you know um but I, I think what it comes down to is really um that I think there's so much technology that gets put into these braces. Um, it's hard to argue that they're not doing their job correctly. You know, I think for people that need that extra knee support, especially if you have like bad knees and um, things like that, I think they're a great option. Um, and also it just gives you a little bit more confidence on the track if, if that is something that you struggle with. Um, but for others that are just getting into the sport or maybe, like I said, maybe they're still growing and they can't afford to buy a, expensive you know carbon set of knee braces every you know year or two then i think uh even our our standard knee um protectors that we make are still really really good um they'll keep you safe and to a certain extent are still keeping your knee in place um they don't have as much of the rotational um prevention stuff as our braces would but still really great and um obviously something's better than nothing so either way yeah i think you have to wear one one or the other for sure if you're uh, swinging a leg over a dirt bike Oh, knee protection of some sort is absolutely mandatory. I, uh, even with knee cups on, uh, ended up getting a foot peg go th- into my pant, pat, like race across my knee, left me with 38 stitches in the front of my right knee. And, uh, yeah, like obviously with knee braces, that wouldn't have been an issue with the, with the patella cups, um, mm-hmm. that covering. But honestly, for me, like when I put the, my knee braces on, cause I did tear my MCL on my right knee and, I had a lot of instability uh, in, until it had uh, fully recovered, and I, I didn't get back on the bike until the following uh, following summer, and I just couldn't believe just how much more pressure I could push with my knees, having that like that little extra bit of material between my knees and the, the motorcycle, being able, and we control the bike with our knees, and honestly, like I, the thing that I I, uh, I I don't really think of the the knee braces as kind of helping me from twisting my knee. I think of it more of uh, my inability to sort of like, I, I'm, I know with my knee braces on, I'm not going to hyperextend that knee. I, I, that's just the totally. peace of mind that I need uh, to, to sort of plant the foot on the inside of a corner or something like that. Uh, I do it without hesitation, knowing that uh, um, I'm not going to be caught in a situation like that. Totally. No, I, I think that's a great point. I think you bring up another great point is like this, the – the places where you come into contact with your bike, I think is just so important um, from like a rider feel standpoint. So you've got your, your boots on your pegs, you've got your knee guards gripping the, you know, the plastics, you've got your gloves. I mean, I think those are some of the, the most key areas of, um, you know, a, a gear choice to make sure that you're comfortable because that, that's how you're coming in contact with your bike. That's how you're interacting with the bike. So um, to your point about how you grip onto the bike and things like that, I think that's a, it's a huge benefit for sure of having braces uh, versus protectors. You just have a little bit uh, more feel there and a little bit more stability. 
So when it comes time for uh, us media guys to to hit you up, we, we, we want to come out for a ride day uh, and, and, and all that. Um, you have a lot of guys that are like kind of like, oh, let's let, let's try out uh, some gear. How many guys are, are uh, dialing you up for uh, the Bionic 7? And how many guys are, are going straight to the Bionic 10 uh, knee brace set, uh, retailing at uh, about 800 bucks? Like... Um, Let's get to the bottom of this here of, of, of just like what what us uh, like media jerkies are, are, are maybe asking a little bit too much sometimes, but you know what I mean. No. Yeah. I mean, it's never too much. I mean, we're, we're stoked to get these guys in our stuff um, either way. I'd say I definitely, since I've, you know, been here, the Bionic 10 is definitely more popular than the seven just because it's the carbon and that's top of the line. But um, just as general, I mean, if, if you're going to review something, may as well review the best thing, right? Um, that's our top of the line race right now. And uh, like I said, we're constantly evolving it. So I, I love getting feedback from, from guys that we send those out to and uh, making them better and better. So those are definitely very popular. Um, and uh, I mean, they're awesome. I mean, they're really, really cool. And, and seeing, seeing them in person, holding them, feeling how light they are, there's, you can tell there's a lot of thought that went into them for sure. So does Alpine Star even still uh, like value the feedback from a mid-pack B-level rider like me? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. All feedback is the same to us. Absolutely. All right. So I'm going to text Kiefer and say that I am just as valuable uh, to the uh, the um, the development process as, as he is, despite um, what we've our, him and I have argued over many a time when it comes to to, uh, to reviews and stuff like that. Uh, but these things are awesome. Honestly, I have a pair of uh, of Bionic Tens uh, from a couple of years back. Uh, looking forward to trying out the the new ones, but um, just with how light they are. And, and just like the the form fitting, like they're very anatomically correct, and I think that's what you really get with when you when you invest the money to getting that that uh, that premium product from a, a company like Alpine Star is that it's going to fit the leg uh, about as as close to custom uh, fit as you possibly can. And then on top of that, the strapping options that you guys have and the adjustments that avail are available with that, you can get a fit that like as I have CTI twos. And I can get honestly a fit that's probably even more tailored with the Alpine Star um, Bionic Ten than than I can with my CTIs. That's awesome. No, that that's really great to hear. Because um, yeah, obviously it's it's uh it's there's different sizes, but it's not uh you know specifically fit to your leg like a CTI. But um, that's great to hear that you know you find it fits so good. And um, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, they they fit really great, and they take a lot of time around here to make sure that. It, they get the fit and construction right before they put stuff out. And um, I think this is just another, another top tier product that they got over here at Alpine stars that um, we're, you know, pretty pumped on and continue to make better and better. Fair enough. So um, let's paint the picture for the, the, the fans at home about a, like a ride day opportunity. Unfortunately, the border is still closed. It's not going to be a day with me. Uh, what publication do you get most excited? They're not going to listen to this. I guarantee that. Uh, um, actually, Stapo might, uh, Dennis Stapleton might listen to this. So uh, maybe be nice to the, the MXA guys. Uh, but who, who are some, who's some of the, your favorite uh, uh, publications to, to spin some laps with? And, and, and you, you pick the spot. Where are, you, where are we riding uh, and, and what kind of day are we having? Um, when, when you uh, are kind of like taking care of some, some media uh, individuals. Uh, when it goes to uh, going to a track day, who who are you riding with? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, all these guys are so fun to ride with. So it really, I, I don't know if I could pick out one guy, you, you have know, to. like picking your children out, but, um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a great perk of the job to be able to get out and ride with these guys every once in a while and just catch up and make sure everyone's dialed in. I'd say as of recently, probably my favorite track out here in SoCal has been Kahia. Um, uh, the ventures out there do like just an insane job getting that place all prepped up. And so, um, I love it. It's a little bit of a drive for me nowadays, but it's definitely worth it. Um, but outside of that, I mean, really any day outside of the office is, uh, is a good day. So I, I can't really complain wherever we're going. I'd go, uh, I'd go ride around in an empty field, uh, with a couple of these media guys and I'd be a happy camper for the day. Fair enough. I'm sure they've got some, uh, some fun stories to share as well on the tailgate. Cause that's really that like motocross is a social sport. I think with like, I, I almost look forward to, uh, of course the riding number one, one B is, uh, is bullshitting after the races or, or, uh, hanging out by the truck. Um, and I, I, I'm convinced that's where the fastest laps are really laid is, is, is at the truck when you're like, Oh, you didn't see me like ripping that lap. That's, that's what racing is all about yeah absolutely man yeah it's it's super cool and uh for me when i moved out here i'm from chicago originally but when i moved right. out to california kind of kind of didn't have that like inset riding crew anymore you know so it's cool to be in the industry now and uh and have some riding buddies and uh recognize people out of the track and starting to get kind of that uh you know that that moto kind of hometown feel that you get after riding uh, in the same area for a little while so um yeah it's, it's really uh it's all part of the sport right but it's it's great Definitely. What, what track do you miss riding back in, uh, in Illinois the most? Yeah, my, so my hometown track, it was called Fox Valley Off-Road. Um, that's where I started riding. It's, uh, it's not even really much of a track. It was, it's like 300 acres of just woods. And then they had a little bottom track, um, that over the years has gotten a little bit more mellow and mellow, but, uh, that's where I grew up. That was like my spot. So we would go do that. And then when I started racing, I did hair scrambles actually. So I would go race there and do some woods racing and put down a couple laps at the bottom. So that was a, that was my spot. Interesting. That, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking, uh, you had like, there was like an amateur track that, that, uh, you'd see guys like chase Sexton and stuff like that racing. But, uh, no, you're, you're, you're more of a, you're more of a woods guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started. It's funny. Cause, uh, the owner of that, that, or the woods place, um, he owned what was called Megacross, which was like a stadium motocross track in Mendota. Okay. And that was like just down the street from where Chase grew up. So that's where I like grew up watching Chase race. Um, given he's, I think he's like four or five years younger than I am, but, um, yeah, pretty cool to watch him come up from fifties all the way up and then got to work with him, um, a bit of my prior role, uh, through Geico Honda. Then now with him on factory Honda, getting to work with him still is, uh, pretty cool. No kidding. Getting to see like the, the full, uh, full progression from from a kid that just sort of uh, making his way to a point where uh still six years younger than you but for sure uh logging some faster lap times than yourself like uh i remember every time i had him, have him on the podcast i re- recall the memory of going down to uh like did you ever make it to, up to uh um the track that uh, staples minnesota or staples north dakota at all no never never made it up there Okay, well, um, Mitchell Oldenburg's parents used to own that track, and they had the in, they had an indoor track and they had an outdoor track. And I remember going there uh, in two thousand and four on a KX one twenty five, thinking that I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, like like B level kid. I'm gonna like show some American kids how to ride. And uh, I had this kid go by me like I was standing still 
on a KTM 65. And that kid ended up being Mitchell Oldenburg. So, um, yeah, it, it's insane to see some of these kids uh, at the, at in these like little areas who just end up going so damn fast. And uh, he, he ended up turning out to be all right. He's he's uh, two two fifty podium guy uh, ever since. Right. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. And I'd say too, it's it's such a unique. I think Moto is unique in that you do ride with a lot of these guys. Even like today, if you were to come up to SoCal, you'll be on the same track as. Cole Seeley or, um, yeah. you know, Chase on a ride day or whatever. And that's, that's pretty unique to our sport that that's even possible. I mean, you would never play football and all of a sudden there's like, you know, a pro just on the other side of the, you know, the field with you, like pretty cool. And, uh, the, you know, the ability to watch these guys train and practice out here in SoCal, that's been the coolest thing for me coming out to out here to ride is just, you know, the pros are so available. It's uh, pretty fun to watch. Oh, hundred percent. Like you're, you're never going to step on the ice at, at a hockey game and look over and, and there's Sidney Crosby, uh, warming up or, or any of the, like the top level hockey players or, uh, yeah, uh, Tom Brady's not tossing, uh, tossing the football around, uh, at a local park. But if you line up, uh, for a practice day at a Glen Helen or a Cahia Creek, I remember, uh, like Grant Langston one time went, like he cut the track, jumped the side of a takeoff of a jump. So that he could whip it sideways to go by me at Glen Helen, and I was like, "That was the coolest thing I've ever seen." And the guy had been <laughs> retired for like six years already; like it wasn't even near his uh, his his competitive days. So, uh, right. yeah, same thing with like Pro Circuit at uh, Glen Helen; those guys go by you like you're standing still, uh, and that, that is one of the coolest parts about uh about the sport that's actually how i met jeremy mcgrath for the first time it was muddy at glen at glen helen and uh he didn't he wouldn't unload his bike and i i like this canadian kid who had driven however many miles to get down there i literally was like come on man like like i i was given the king shit uh for for not uh going and riding in the in the mud right so yeah fantastic it's so funny we we definitely, we do get spoiled out here when it's muddy out here or you can just wait until the next day and it'll be a perfect day, you know? So, um, that's pretty funny. But yeah. My, my first experience riding with a pro out here, Nick Way passed me out at, uh, Lake Elsinore. I love that. I had, like welts all over my, like all over my arms and my neck. And, uh, I thought it was the coolest thing ever that I got passed by Nick Way out there. So, uh, totally, totally get it. <laughs> oh, I had the same thing. Like Kiefer went by me at Milestone and he he blew the lens right out of my goggles. <laughs> like I I couldn't believe it. I was wearing I was wearing my X brands. I was like I was doing my warm up laps. All whatever. All of a sudden, like just like revving behind me, going flew by me. Like I was like just I like blew my doors off, and and like the lens pops out of my goggles, and I'm like holy crap. He's and he's like I I I stand by this that Kiefer's faster today. Than he was as as a as a pro. I think he could. Uh, I know he he tried to make a national a couple of years ago. I still think that he like his his overall riding pace is faster than it was when he was a a full on professional. Yeah, he's a uh, he's fast man. I was out at State Fair with him last week, uh, getting to hang out with him and uh, swap moto, and uh, it was it was awesome being out there watching him ride. It definitely is uh, pretty fun. And it's cool to see Aiden riding with him now too at such a high sure. level. So. Um, but that whole family's are they're they're good people for sure. Yeah, like uh, Kiefer is sort of like he he grew uh, an assistant 
at Kiefer yeah. and testing <laughs> by, by just like having his son come of age and be a half decent rider. Uh, he now has, uh, like you can almost take on more work when it comes to, uh, durability testing and stuff. Right. Exactly. Just got to pass the torch on. No doubt. Um, like who, who would you say, and you can, you don't have to just throwing anybody under the bus, but who is the pickiest of, or, or maybe most difficult to please of the, the media, uh, professionals when it comes time to to getting them some gear because I know that Chris Kiefer very picky about his gear. He loved that. He had, like it wasn't this is last year. He had the all white looking setup from uh, from Alpine Star. Like who who is the most picky as far as like like colorways as well as uh, you guys also do like the iron ons, which is uh, like that's that's when you know you're legit when you get iron ons on the jersey. Still to this day, uh, maybe the, the the that's the ultimate separator when it comes to the the overall kit. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely we we try to you know get everything these guys need. So they they got everything for testing and kind of check everything out. I mean, everyone has kind of their their needs. Some some guys are you know more ahead of it than others. Sometimes we get last minute requests, but we try to be super good about you know if some someone needs something the next day, like they'll have it. Um, that's kind of uh, what we do around here to just try to make it happen. So um, I think for the most part, everyone, at least that I've worked so far has been super easy to work with. And um, from a, a pickiness standpoint, hasn't, hasn't been stressed or anything like that. I, I used to work with like athletes a little bit more in the past. And so I think that's where I got a little, little uh, first taste of pickiness, but um, the prima donnas of motocross. I love yeah, it. But you know, you, you you gotta be, you gotta be comfortable on the bike. And like, I know myself, I'm like paranoid and I, I'm in like the C class mid pack, you know? So I, I can't imagine, uh, being at that top level and just, uh, getting something that doesn't fit perfectly or you're second guessing something or whatever. So, um, totally get it. But, you know, we, we definitely, like I said, we strive to make sure everyone's super comfortable, especially our athletes, um, and willing to, uh, you know, put the best products out that we possibly can. So everything kind of helps us further develop stuff and, um, just kind of keep it rolling. Fair enough. Well, I got I get nothing but respect for that. You you're uh, you're patient and uh, and accommodating to these guys who uh, to ask the world of you when it comes to uh, um, like feeling comfortable on two wheels. And yeah, I can't even imagine. I know it's all the custom stuff that goes into uh, uh, some of the top level uh, riders' uh, gear as far as like one off pants that they have because these guys have. Uh, like monstrous thighs, but also narrow waists. So they, they lit, nothing fits them. Uh, but yeah, it's super, super interesting. Cool take on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's super fun to work with athletes. Um, they all have the little things that they, you know, they really like, dislike things like that. But, um, as long as we're, you know, constantly learning, taking things from that, I think that's, uh, that's how you get better and better product. And as a product company that you got to look at the best riders for that feedback. So um it's uh it's great we take all the feedback uh in stride for sure i uh, love it man well what are your thoughts on the supercross championship coming down to the wire here um cooper webb he's in the boot you got eli tomac he's head to toe uh minus i guess uh helmet and goggle um but uh like th those are guys that you like i don't think you work with them specifically but alpine stars does uh, like, and just as a fan watching this, what are your thoughts on how this thing all shakes out, uh, as far as, uh, some race wins down the stretch, we're finally going to get back to racing this coming Saturday, literally feels like it's been forever since we saw some racing. 
I know, right? Yeah, we had uh, we kind of got slow with that three races in a row deal, and then gave us two weeks off. Feels like it's been like a month now. Um, but yeah, no, the the season's been awesome. Um, yeah, I'm stoked to see Cooper kind of getting on a roll here. Um, I personally, like, I know he's not an Alpine Stars guy, but like, I think Ken Roxton's awesome. So I, I hope that he puts it together and makes it a good title chase towards the end here. Um, so he, it looks like he's kind of just needs to get something. Is he just missing that one piece right now? Yeah, um, he needs a win. But, like, uh, he needs a win yeah. just to sort of get that mojo back because he hasn't won since he ripped off three in a row. Right, totally. Back in Indy, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I just, I just love his style, and I think just for Supercross in general, it's good to have that close points battle all the way through to the end. I think uh, it just makes for better racing and just more excitement for the fans. So um, hopefully that stays close with Coop, but – I'd like to I'd like to see Coop maybe uh, hold him off all the way to the end, and uh, uh, would love to see Tomac get another win. I would really like to see Chase try to get a win before the season's over. Um, he's got the speed for it. He just keeps having these like kind of weird weird deals going down during the race. So uh, still still a lot of racing left, and then uh, then we'll head into outdoors and we'll kind of reset. Absolutely. I, I for me. I'm an outdoor guy. Obviously, I raced the marina crosses growing up, but like I always have a better connection with with outdoor racing because that's what I compete in. Uh, I feel like it's like the rawness of our sport. Um, and like, like, what's your like sort of preference? Do you, obviously Supercross is cool. Go to the stadiums. You're gonna get nice and close. Uh, but like being able to go to a national, maybe even riding like amateur day the day before, the day after, and and, and tackling some of the same uh, obstacles and stuff like that. Uh, which one do you prefer to watch and as a fan? And uh, like, do you, did you do some uh, some like amateur day racing and stuff like that at some some nationals growing up? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely. It's kind of like both disciplines are cool. I like Supercross because you can bring friends that aren't in the moto to those races easier, yes. right? Because like all the stadiums are close to cities, and you know we could just go to Angel Stadium. I used to bring my roommates or friends over, and it's like a cool way to get people interested in the sport, like much easier. Right. Um. But but yeah, those outdoor motos. I mean, that's like I used to go to Red Blood every year. Um, we would go on July Fourth weekend and go yes. check that out and. Lot um, B. It's, it's hard to I can see you in Lot oh. B. I yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Why not even ask that? Oh yeah. You know it. It dude, it's it's so fun out there, but um it's just it's hard to fathom how fast those guys are going when you watch it on T V and then you, you go and see them in person and it like it's just kinda crazy to see like how fast those guys are really going out there. Um and for that long too. The pace is just so crazy. So um yeah, it's it's fun to watch outdoors, like being there, it's like, you know, you're getting dirty, it's you got to make a drive. It's definitely the core of our sport. Um, but the, the convenience of Supercross is nice, obviously, for bringing friends that are kind of more just latent viewers kind of deal. So, I, I agree. I, if, if, I, if I was taking my girlfriend to a race, we're going to Supercross. If we're going to an outdoor national, probably going with the boys. Uh, and it's going to be a weekend and just uh, get, like, just, yeah getting dirty watching the races and, and yeah like you want to talk about uh, the difference in speed uh I, I was in millville 2013 um they didn't have like uh mount martin as part of the track layout for the amateur day i was running 218s feeling like i was going all kinds of fast on my kx 252 yep. stroke feeling good they added a section that was no less than 10 seconds and Eli Tomac was running 
201s. So not only <laughs> is he 17 seconds per lap faster than I am, he also had about a, a, a 10 second detour. So um, that was a slice of humble pie that I had. I did not order. Um, right. But he, I, I was forced to digest it when I see these guys who just like you and I, like like I don't know, like you're you're probably a much better rider than I am. Um, but when I get a little bit out of shape and say a section of sand rollers, my first inclination is to not twist the throttle to the absolute stop. And for some reason, that's what the thought process that those guys have. Like they're, they're front end dives and all of a sudden it's just more throttle. Yep. Totally. It's, uh, they say when in doubt, throttle out. I think so. Yeah. I, I might, uh, yeah. uh, that actually kind of got me in trouble this weekend with the, the whiskey throttle that, uh, uh, that I, I succumbed to. Um, maybe I took that, uh, that advice a little bit too literal, but uh, that's neither here nor there. JT right. Fox on the Big MX Radio podcast. You've still got some work to do. Uh, it's 4 o'clock on, uh, on the, the, the West Coast there, so I assume you still have some things to clear up before you clock out for the day. But this has been fun. I love when we're able to come on here and, and not only educate some fans, but uh, just bench race and talk some dirt bikes. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, thanks as always for having me on. And uh, start to talk a little bit about our, our protection sets we got with our knee braces and our chest protectors. And, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's what we do over here is try to, you know, protect everyone riding dirt bikes and uh, just longevity of everyone riding dirt bike, whether you're a pro or amateur. So um, stoked to share a little bit of knowledge and hopefully help out a little bit. From neck braces to knee braces, uh, Alpine Stars MX is uh, is protecting you out on the track. Uh, what's what's the plan to go riding this week? If, if there's some California fans listening to this podcast right now, where might they find you if you're riding this week? You know, I, I would really like to get out this week. I got out last week, though, so I think I might be pushing my, my boundaries of riding during Ooh. work days. So we'll see if I get out or not. But okay. um, if I do get out, I think I might go hit State Fair this week. That'd probably be my uh, my spot for this week. Fair enough. Well, everyone, keep your eyes peeled. You might see uh, JT <laughs> out there and, uh, and definitely pick his brain on some of the stuff that we've been talking about on the podcast. This has been fun, man. Uh, looking forward to having you on again in about a month's time. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great, man. Thanks again for having me. And uh, yeah, call me anytime. Awesome, dude. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.